Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Great good afternoon to you and yours, and let's all say hello to the month of May. It is May 1st, Monday, the year 2023. Hope you're having a great day. It's a beautiful, gosh, Chamber of Commerce day out there. Hope everybody had a sensational weekend, and we're off and running for another week here of fun, fun stuff with my cohort in crime, um, my producer, James Mesh, who's inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It is on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head to Lake Charles, you'll find KLCJ, which is 1041. We're proud and honored to be there. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. If you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. I don't know where to begin. Such a busy, busy weekend, but I got to start with arguably, uh, I believe, the greatest player in basketball, and that's one Steph Curry, who in a Game 7 scenario, on the road against a young, hungry Sacramento squad, Steph Curry did something that no one else has ever done in NBA history, and that is score 50 points in a Game 7 scenario. And that's exactly what he did as the Golden State Warriors survive and advance with a 120-100 win over the Sacramento Kings. Steph Curry, in a word, brilliant. Brilliance. Clay Thompson couldn't throw it in the ocean. Drew Wiggins couldn't throw it in the ocean. Steph Curry carried the team along with his sidekick, Kayvon Looney, the unheralded big man who once again came up huge on the boards, 11 points but 21 rebounds, 11 of which were on the offensive end. The Warriors showed their veterans, their veteran moxie, their championship demeanor, and they just said, hey, uh, Sacramento, not just yet. Outscoring the Kings 35-23 to in the third and 29-19 to in the fourth. In those two periods, Steph Curry had 30 of his 50 points. In a word, he was brilliant, and the playoffs have been astronomically good. We've got a couple of games on tap tonight, which ought to be great. Game one in the Eastern Conference semifinals 
The Philadelphia 676ers travel to Boston to take on the Celtics. And in the West, can the Denver Nuggets do it again? They won game one, 125-107 over the Suns on Saturday. It's game two tonight in Denver. So we'll stay and see what happens there. But Steph Curry was phenomenal. LSU baseball remains number one in the country after they swept Alabama. So that now is seven straight SEC game wins. uh, Two consecutive weekend sweeps over Ole Miss and Alabama. LSU has a little bit of something and a little bit of everything uh, when it comes to their baseball team. Because when you think of all the things that could have gone wrong, that should have gone wrong. Um, I'm telling you, it uh, it was not good because they gave up a lot of runs in Sunday's uh, game. They gave up a lot of walks. They gave up a lot of hit by pitches. But offensively, they just had enough that you need to get it done. 13 runs on 10 hits and they came from behind yet again trailing seven to three in the bottom of the fifth lsu comes up with six runs they added two more in the seventh two more in the eighth and they out outlast alabama 13 to 11 so when you look at the big picture of things lsu has the firepower needed to succeed. The big question still remains is whether LSU has the pitching necessary to go all the way. Ty Floyd, Christian Little haven't exactly proven to be consistent weekend starters. Paul Skeens has been everything that means consistent. Javen Coleman has returned and looks good, and Thatcher Hurd has improved as well. So LSU travels to Hammond tomorrow to take on southeastern Louisiana as the games go on. And when you look at the SEC standings, LSU's at 15-5 and overall, a two games up in the loss column. Arkansas is 14-7. and Tigers travel to the Plains to take on Auburn Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Auburn is 9-12 and in the SEC. LSU remains number one in the country, thanks to their three wins in four games over the weekend, Dylan Cruz named SEC Player of the Week. Uh, he batted 429 in four games with two home runs, eight runs batted in, five runs, five walks, a 600 on base percentage. He was even better in the SEC series against Alabama, going six for 11, batting 545 with two homers, eight ribbies and five runs scored. He blasted a three-run homer in the third inning of Friday's game, which increased LSU's one-zip lead to four-to-zip and an eventual eight-to-six victory. Dylan Cruz is batting 490 on the year with 12 doubles, one triple, 13 homers, 52 ribbies, and 71 runs scored. He has been sensational. As expected, Brian Kelly announced today that Jimmy Lindsley has joined the LSU coaching staff and will serve as the defensive line coach 
for the Tigers. Lindsey comes to LSU after coaching the defensive line at South Carolina for the past two years. He brings over 20 years of collegiate experience coaching the defensive line to the LSU program. So there you go. One of Lindsey's defensive linemen at South Carolina was selected in the third round of the NFL draft on Friday. Zach Pickens taken 64th overall by the Bears. So um, he's been all over the place. Gardner-Webb, Chattanooga, Western Kentucky, South Carolina. Um, he's coached a bunch of good ones. He coached at Miami of Ohio. He's been here, there, and everywhere. He's had the opportunity to work for four NFL teams. Um, and he was a player, a linebacker at Chattanooga, serving as a team captain his senior season. Um, married and one daughter. So, Jimmy Lindsay, welcome to Tiger Town. Welcome to Tiger Town. Um, the Ravens have declined linebacker Patrick Queen's 2024 option. The former LSU Tiger, now 23 years old, would, would have received $12.722 million in 2024 under the option now the 28th overall pick in the 2020 draft enters the final year of his rookie contract go ahead baltimore don't sign him saints uh, come on let's bring him home right the saints have chosen not to exercise the 2024 option on cesar ruiz's contract and adam troutman says he wasn't happy about his role with the saints he asked for a trade to the Denver Broncos where he can hook up with Sean Payton. So we'll see. Those are just some of your headlines for the day. Let me tell you what we have in store for you and yours. We'll talk a lot of the NFL draft, talk a lot about the Saints and what they did to try and improve their ball club with Chris Roseverglue in this hour. We'll get Chris for two segments. Ali Cassell will join us at 3 o'clock. Got to talk about Steph. Got to talk about these NBA playoffs. It's Steph versus LeBron yet again. Um, and then Blake Rafino will join us. We'll talk about this LSU baseball team. And we'll talk more about LSU football as a big-time running back from New Orleans and Rummel High School, uh, who was at Notre Dame, has entered the transfer portal. Mm, running back room may not be the strongest. Bring in some more competent. We'll see. We'll get kicked out the status on that and much, much more. So that's what's coming your way to day so we'll take our first time out of the day and when we return we'll talk nfl draft with chris rosevaglu this is the jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros haven't seen the defending World Series champs in person yet? Not to worry, because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland A's on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways, powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, we are back on this uh, first day of May in the year 2023. The NFL draft has come to a close, and, and the New Orleans Saints um, – Look like they got everything that they needed, a defensive tackle, edge rusher, running back, wide receiver, and more positions of need um, in the 2023 draft. So time will tell if this is another home run for assistant general manager and vice president of college personnel, Jeff Ireland. But we brought in our expert, Chris Roseverglue, to get his thoughts on this 2023 draft class. And Chris joins us now via Zoom. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing well. I hope all is well with you. Everything is fine. Did you get some much-needed sleep after that uh, three days of debauchery known as the draft? Uh, Yeah, finally. You know, funny enough, it's Friday night, right? Day two finishes. You know, I'm I'm all wrapped up with everything I I was covering. And then I'm sitting there watching, you know, Lakers-Grizzlies till about like 1 a.m. And I just go, (laughs) what am I doing? I'm like, I got to get some sleep. But uh, no, it was a blast. And I think it it goes a lot, you know, I'd say faster when a lot of the team's decisions kind of add up with what the vision of the team is. Okay, so let's let's start with that. Uh, I'll talk about Steph Curry later on. Um. Uh, round one, pick number 29. I don't know if the Saints tried to move up or not. They couldn't find any partners. Dennis Allen said they they tried to do some trading in the first two days. Um, but uh, they solidified the defensive tackle position. What did you think of their first overall pick? Yeah, I, I love the move for two reasons. I, I think that for starters, you talk about the player and the fit. I think that Brian Brzee is the perfect fit for this team to improve that defensive line, especially inside, uh, and get younger, get faster, get stronger at the position. We're talking about a former number one recruit in high school, a type of guy that freshman year was great, had the injury after, and unfortunately his third year at Clemson just got, due to traumatic incidents off the field, due to health in, uh, incidents, like just wasn't really to, able to hit the ground running, but I think the potential's there, and I don't think he's one of those raw prospects. I think he will make an impact from day one. So I love that aspect of it, and I love the fact that New Orleans did try to move up and see if they can move around, and they started realizing around that mid-20 spot that it's shaping out perfectly for them. So to get the guy you want and then hold on to those assets that you thought about moving, I feel like that makes it a little bit of a win-win. It seems like the perfect fit, not only from a physical standpoint, but from a um, a character fit and and leadership ability and and just a good all-around guy. Um, And that, I think, is equally as important. Absolutely. I mean, the Saints are all about building the culture. Think about last year, as good as C.J. Garner-Johnson is, the Saints started to see a little bit of friction, and they thought, look, we know you're great, but – is it worth kind of affecting what we're trying to build? And they decided it's not worth it. So uh, I think for them, that's a big factor in it. And if you think about every single player that they added to the mix, especially just think about the first two in Brzee and Foskey, you're bringing in high character guys who you expect not only to be great on the field, but off the field, you're not worrying about, are they handling their business? Are they making sure they're up to the job? So uh, I definitely love that added fact to it as well. I got to believe that they looked at all the injuries that he's had. I mean, it's a you're rolling the dice with a first round pick. I've got to believe they believe that he is going to be okay along those lines. 
Absolutely. And and I think that, you know, it's weird to say like injuries get overblown because he did have the ACL injury early in his college career and then he had the shoulder surgery. But from what I've heard, the shoulder surgery wasn't anything, you know, to really get worried about. And when we talk about the ACL injury, he's a couple of years removed from it now. So you start to feel confident there. And I think that it's it sounds wild to say sometimes, but the truth is you just never know who's going to get the lucky or unlucky injury breaks in the NFL. It could happen, yeah. you know, on a free play. I think about Peyton Turner. He got hurt this past season after making a big play and he's trying to get out of the scrum and someone fell on top of him. Like things just happen, uh, especially in football. It's just, you know, the nature of the business. So for him, I think they're definitely comfortable with it. If they weren't, I don't think they would have taken him. So I definitely think that played a factor as well. And and I think this was a guy that all along they kind of had penciled in as if we could get him, we really like the vision for this type of player. So I'm just excited to see how it all unfolds. Versey, what type of player do you see when you look at tape of him? Is he the is he the run stopper? Is he how is he when it comes to um, the address uh, the addressing the pass rushing need that the Saints have? Yeah, I think you're going to get a little bit of everything, and and I think like you know if you're talking about what do you want to see, you know his first year, I would love to see if he could get maybe three, maybe four sacks. That would be perfect for his range. That's something he showed that he can do at Clemson. I think he's got you know a heck of a spin move for a guy his size and weight. You'll see that, you know, when he's lining up in that three tech, um, there is just an opportunity for him to really get past the interior with that spin move. And that's something that he's kind of pride himself on. I'm sure the Saints will get him moving with stunts with Cam Jordan on the inside. So I think he's going to give you a little bit of everything. There's going to be some pop plays with him early that are going to get fans excited. But I think early on, expect the guy to stuff the run and give you a little bit of juice in the pass rush. He's definitely not a, you know, a two down player. He'll be on the field for all three downs. Chris Rose, our glue boot grew media, kind enough to join us. Okay, I got to be honest with you. At pick number two, number 40 overall, Isaiah Foskey, Edge from Notre Dame. Uh, Some of the pundits out there said, oh, that was a reach. They just went for a position and they just found a player that they think, you know, is going to be okay. I I know you think differently. Tell me about Isaiah Foskey because I never heard of him. Yeah, he's the type of guy that, you know, I had him on my radar a little bit, especially going into day two, because, you know, don't get me wrong, the Saints could have addressed other positions at 40. It was still, in my eyes, a premium pick, but they decided to double dip at defensive line. And I love the idea because they needed to add more depth there. And with Foskey, you're getting a type of guy who, A, we talked about high character, leader at Notre Dame throughout his career. They're going to love that about him. But what I love about him It's two things. It's one, he's just an absolute playmaker. If you take his last two seasons at Notre Dame, had over 20 sacks combined during then, the only player in college football with more sacks during that range was Will Anderson Jr., the third overall pick. So you're getting a really productive player in that regard. You're getting a guy that he doesn't go just for the big play. If he can make the big play but also hit the home run in the process, he's going to do it, and he talks about it. You know, It's not just enough getting the sack. He's trying to get the sack and also strip the football out. And... I just love that about him. There's a play in particular. People go look back and think about the type of guy he is in terms of just his football smart. It's it's him against Cincinnati. He forces a fumble. And all of a sudden, immediately after forcing the fumble, he turns around and he becomes a blocker for his teammate to get downfield within just a blink of an eye. He's just a really sound football player. I think he has to get a little bit more, I'd say, get a little bit more variety of his pass rush moves. But when you talk about him using the long arm technique and just getting past uh, offensive tackles, he does that extremely well. And I think he's going to be competing with Peyton Turner for a starting job. And I would not be surprised if Foskey at some point in the middle of the season kind of solidifies his status as a starter. 
about the size, 6'6", 264, 34-inch arms. When they talk about edge rushers, Chris, I hear the, the expression, he's got a lot of bend in him. He's got a lot of bend. Uh, you can't be stiff. you got to be able to get down and curve that body to get around these big tackles. Does he fit that description? You know, I don't. in terms of his bend, I don't think it's perfect. You know, it's not Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa-esque, and I think that's something that the Saints have kind of accepted. That's just not their M.O., and okay. I know fans would love to see them do that, but it just hasn't been in their nature. I, I think they tried, you know, they've brought in players. You could think years past when they brought in Zach Ball, and I thought that's a perfect player with having that bend around the corner, but then the Saints moved him to off-ball linebacker, and that just didn't fit with his type of personality and his skill set, so... I just think they love having just those bigger bruiser type defensive ends. And look for Foskey. He's not, I'd say as stiff as, as let's say Marcus Davenport was coming out of college, but he is not the type of player, in my opinion, that you're going to see just get that perfect bend around the corner. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because there there's almost kind of a, a misconception with what the saints have at defensive end and what they've done on the field. And what I mean by that is, you know, some fans might have sour grapes about the way the Marcus Davenport tenure went, but in reality, when he was healthy, fully committed and everything he did produce. If I go back two years ago, what he was able to do in not even a full uh, season was nine and a half sacks played really well. And I, I think that's what the saints are trying to get out of Foskey. They just really like those bigger defensive linemen. And I think a big part of it is, they love how they help out in the run game, and the Saints want to make you one-dimensional. Chris Rosevoglu with us. Uh, let's go to round three. Pick number 71 overall. We said all along the Saints need a running back. Uh, I think they got a good one in Kendry Miller, the running back out of TCU. What, what did you think of that pick? I love the pick. I, I First off, I would have been happy if the Saints took a running back at any point on day two just to get a younger body in there, uh -huh. get another guy, not just for when if Alvin misses time due to suspension, but you also have to think about the future. You know, Alvin's not getting any younger. He's playing arguably the most physical position in the sport. So I love the idea of adding youth there. But if we're talking about this player in particular with Kendra Miller, I think there's two things that come off the, you know, the tape when you see him. I think the first thing is his patience. He's not the type of runner that's just trying to run through a hole that's not there. He's going to let things open up if need be, kind of like Alvin would, you know, at times, and also a little bit of Le'Veon Bell with that patience. And the other part for him, which I love, is just the contact balance and ability to just hit it to the outside off one cut and just go. And I think those are things that the Saints are going to love. I think that there's going to be moments where he could be a home run hitter, but there's also going to be times where he can show that if he has to be a little bit of a bruiser back, he can do that as well. He's going to bring a physical nature to this team. And this is the most productive TCU running back since LaDainian Tomlinson. So the kid is special. He was that good that Zach Evans, who was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, was like, okay, I can't stay at TCU because this guy's taking over at the position. So I think there's a lot to like about Miller. Is he Mark Ingram part two? You know, I, I actually, when I see him, there could be some similarities there, but it's kind of a mix because there's also at times where he has that contact balance that Alvin has. I think the running back that I've looked at him with a little bit, and I'll have to do a little bit more to feel great about this comparison, but sometimes I see a little bit of Kareem Hunt, kind of the the Kansas City Chiefs version. Yeah. Kareem Hunt. So I think there really is just a ton of value in this pick, and it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, in a couple of years from now, he's the starting running back for this team, and he's producing at a really high level. I, I expect him, if he gets his opportunities early this year, I expect to make the most of it. He really is one of those backs that can do it all. We didn't see enough in the passing game, but that's not really his fault. I think he can help in the screen game as well. Uh, Chris, what what do you think the Saints saw in Condre Miller 
because Tajay Spears from Tulane was out there as well. What what did what do you think they saw that they liked about Miller more so than Spears? I, I think there's two things that probably played a factor. I think the one the first part for me might actually just be the physicality that Miller brings to the table and just the the the, the style that he runs with. When I start seeing a little bit of Alvin's game and I see a little bit of Mark Ingram, and even if it's not a lot, but it's shades, I think it makes perfect sense for the Saints who are still running an offense led by by Pete Carmichael to say, okay, this is the type of guy that we can just plug and play and we'll know he'll fit. And the second part, and, and I don't know if this went into the Saints evaluation, but I'd imagine it plays some of a factor would be with Ty J Spears' knee history and, and what happened there. And now the counterpoint would be, well, Miller has a torn MCL. What happened there? I don't think that's as severe as what Spears has gone through over his career. And again, I think just, you know, it could be a size factor too, younger too at the position. Maybe that played it because Kendra Miller still was just 20 years old, which is crazy okay. to think about. So I think there's a couple of things. It could be age, could be the durability factor. I think that the Saints might just just like him in terms of the style that he runs with. And I, I'd imagine that. I, I think as much as I'd like the idea of Spears, the hometown kid playing for the Saints, there's something to be said about how Miller might be just a perfect scheme fit for this team. Played in big games this year, to say the very, very least. Were you surprised he was still around at that point in time? Uh, I, I'm going to say no. I, look, okay. if he was off the board, I, I, I wouldn't be stunned either. But yeah. he always kind of felt to go anywhere between 60 and 75. And, and you know, I ran a bunch of simulations before then. And, you know, every time I almost had to pick a different running back because one of them wasn't going to be on the board, whether it was him, uh, whether it was A-Chain from, from A&M, whether uh, it was Zach Evans. Like, there was a bunch of running backs in that mix, and right. there was always one kind of going right before the Saints. So I'm not totally surprised. It could have gone either way, but it's it's fantastic value nonetheless. All right, we got went through the first three picks. Now this is when you really get interesting. We're going to take a quick timeout, if you don't mind. Chris has agreed to join us for another segment because he's the best. We'll talk about an offensive lineman. We'll even talk about a quarterback. How about that when we return here on the Jordy Holberg Show? This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back. We continue our discussion of the New Orleans Saints draft 2023 with our expert. That's a tremendous job. Boot Crew Media, SI.com, Chris Roseverglue. All right, Chris, we went through the top three. They all seem pretty darn good. Now we go to round four, two picks in this one at number 103, Nick Saldaveri, an offensive lineman from Old Dominion. Uh, another position of need. You can never get enough of these guys. Tell me about uh, Salvadetti. Yeah, I think he, you know, even though listed at offensive tackle, the Saints have a vision for him, in my opinion, at offensive guard, which makes perfect sense. And then, you, you know, a day later, 
you hear about the news of Ruiz not having his fifth-year option picked up. And I think the Saints, you know, knew that they had to get another guy kind of in the pipeline because Ruiz might not be back. Pete's going to be a free agent. So at the very least, you're probably going to lose one of your offensive guards from this upcoming season. So I think you bring him in, you get to kind of let him mature on the fly. Uh, I love his mentality. He got asked about, you know, what position he plays. And he pretty much says, I play offensive line. And I, I just yeah, love having love the that. Type of guy <laughs> that doesn't care where you line me up. Football, football is going to get his hand in, in the dirt and do his thing. I think he's an outstanding run blocker, did a good job at the senior bowl going up against better competition and holding his own. But yeah, I, I think he's going to be an offensive guard. It fits a position of need. And the Saints are, they're one of those teams that are sneaky good at getting those, you know, mid-round yeah. offensive linemen in and developing them. So I'm excited about what he potentially brings to the table, not maybe this year, but maybe in 2024. You mentioned the senior bowl, Jim Nagy's the boss of that thing. He described Salvadori versatile, athletic, high character, and above the shoulders football IQ. That says a lot to me. And the fact that he's versatile, like you mentioned, that sounds like it's right in the Saints wheelhouse. Yeah, absolutely. This is the type of kid they want. And uh, look, we're, we're going to see. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get him on the football field, you know, as soon as this year, whether it's as that, you know, that jumbo package, bring in a sixth offensive lineman, maybe use him on a swing uh, toss. Yeah. They'll try to get him involved. And I think we're going to see very early that that he is he's not about the games. He's all about just doing his business and showing up almost like it's a nine to five. And I, I absolutely love his mentality about it. 24 picks later in the same fourth round, the Saints go quarterback. Jake Hayner, quarterback, Fresno State. He said uh, Derek Carr is his mentor. Drew Brees was his favorite player. The Saints were his childhood favorite team. It's like this was destined to happen. It really is. And, and, you know, he posts on Instagram last night a picture of him posing as a kid in a Reggie Bush jersey. And then uh, side by side, him getting that draft call, which is just so you know awesome to think about how that all unfolded. But I, I might be in the minority here for some people in terms of the prospect, but I think in terms of the just the move and the logic behind it, I love both sides of it. In terms of the player, when I see Jay Kaner, I know people are going to think it's one of those reactions where it's like, okay, you just watched him last year and, and you're looking for that next comparison. But there is a little Brock Purdy to his game in terms of, is really good at process, processing, makes quick decisions, but can make plays out of structure. Now, I'm worried about the size, you know, listed at around six foot, not the, you know, the strongest of build. I think that can be a concern, but the efficiency of this kid, 20 touchdowns, three picks, uh, Fresno State won nine in a row when he came back from his injury. He's yeah. just a gamer. And if you watch the way Fresno State coached him, they would go out and 11 personnel just pretty much tell him, you're going to figure this out on the fly. We trust you that much. It's not one of those yeah. college systems where you wait for the route to open up and then you hit your open guy because you had to wait to see him get open. He throws with anticipation. I love that about his game. And I just like the idea of the Saints going, hey, look, we did sign Derek Carr. We have faith in Derek Carr. I don't think this pick is an indictment on what they think about him. I think it's more so while we have Derek Carr in the building and we know he'll kind of keep the fort steady, why don't we try to bring in a young guy and maybe he gets to develop into the next quarterback? And if not, it's a fourth-round pick. You took a chance on him. You know, we've seen it before. And you know what? I'd say the Cowboys, regardless of the criticism their quarterback gets, were pretty fortunate that a fourth-round pick in Dak Prescott turned out to yeah. be what he is. So I love the idea of taking a chance. If it works, great. If not, you move on it to the next one. 
And the Saints, to your point, got to see him up close and personal. The quarterback coach for the Saints, passing game coordinator, Ronald Curry, was the offensive coordinator. He worked with Hayner in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. So he got a hands-on approach and saw what this kid's all about. Um, some people had him as the best, as sixth best quarterback in this year's class. You had Stetson Bennett was out there, some other ones. So similar size, but they think this kid's better. So we'll see. I I'm with you. Take a chance. You never, ever know. Uh, we go to the fifth round, pick 146 overall, Jordan Howden, a five foot eleven, just over 200-pound safety from Row, Row, Row the Boat, Minnesota. What do you think? Two things I like about him. I like the experience, you know, 49 starts, I believe it was, at Minnesota, which is just, you know, an insane number to think about. That's a lot of starts uh, to yeah. get in under, your, under your belt. I like the versatility. You could move him to the nickel if you want. You could use him kind of as a two-high safety I don't think he'll ever be a single high safety. I don't think he really has that kind of fluidity in his hips to kind of get it moving a la Marcus Williams back then a couple of years ago. But I think this is the type of player that the Saints brought in clearly to maybe early on compete for a special team spot and then maybe work yep. your way up. They've shown this before. And uh, I think you're probably going to look at him and maybe Smoke Monday, an undrafted guy from last year. Maybe they compete in camp to kind of battle it out. So uh, this was a position of need in terms of depth. I don't think they need someone to start immediately with Tyra Matthew and Marcus May holding down the Ford and also bringing in Lonnie Johnson. But I do think that you bring him in if it all works out great. And, and I can see him making a special teams impact. He, he is one yeah. of those guys that looks like he can fit the bill for them. Okay, a day three pick. He's a former walk-on. And to your point, over 500 special team snaps in his career. You can't underestimate that at all. Um, round six, pick 198. My producer, James Mesh, loves this guy. A.T. Perry, a 6'3", 198-pound wide receiver from Wake Forest with 4'4'7 speed and athleticism. What's, what's he doing dropping all the way to the sixth round? I wish I knew. I, you know, when, when guys like him fall, you start looking around because there's no word about him being a bad teammate. The production's outstanding. He's been there for years. He was a big part of Wake Forest's turnaround in terms of what they did as a football program. Uh, so it's a little head-scratching. And to your point, Jordy, when the Saints moved up in the fourth round at the top of the draft and they took an offensive lineman, there was a lot of Saints fans who thought they moved up to go get A.T. Perry. So th that just kind of speaks volumes about in terms of the draft value, this seems on paper to be a steal. The, you know, a six foot four guy that gets down the field back to back a thousand yard plus seasons. I know there is a concern about the drops, but you can work on that in the NFL. I mean, I remember, you know, two years ago, Jamar Chase's preseason, people are worrying about drops. And then what happens? That just gets turned off and he turns into right. a top five wide receiver immediately. So I think A.T. Perry is, you know, great value for them. Could maybe compete for that fourth spot. Depends how Brian Edwards shakes out in camp, especially since he has history with Derek Carr. That might favor him, but I like it. I really like the value. It doesn't hurt to add another big body like that, six foot four. We've seen him on the back shoulder throws a little bit, but it's more so about downfield. The Saints continue to add guys that can attack the field uh, down there, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense because Derek Carr wants to stretch the field. So the draft comes to an end inside the middle of the draft. Adam Troutman seems to be disheartened with his role with the Saints. He asked for a trade. That was back in the back, a little bit further back. And uh, he goes to Denver with Sean Payton. So the position of tight end looks really, really thin. Is there somebody out there in free agency that the Saints are looking at, in your opinion? You know, I, I'm not 100% certain. It might be one of those groups where maybe they wait to see if there's a cut during the middle of the summer. That could be it. Okay. Uh, 
you know, it definitely stings though, because Foster Moreau was a guy that if you think about it, they brought him in and, and they discovered the diagnosis yeah. during the physical, which means they were probably pretty far along. That was about to be yes. a contract that was done. So uh, we'll see what happens in that regard. But, you know, I think this is a big opportunity, too, for Lucas Crow, an undrafted guy last year at a pit who the Saints liked as a blocker, like his physicality, just really wasn't there to really make that big splash as a receiver. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure they'll look around. But, you know, the tight end market's not exactly so rich right now. I don't think there's a guy out there that you can right. plug in for the Saints and say, OK, that might be the missing piece or he'll replace Troutman perfectly. They might have to look around, maybe just do a little bit of that bargain bin shopping, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm really excited to see if Lucas Kroll can kind of step up to the challenge here. And then the other position, you can't get them all because you don't have enough draft picks, but linebackers, another position, maybe where the saints mm, are lacking a little bit. Um, your thoughts on that position. Yeah, I think, you know, it's to your point, right? When you come into the draft and you have all these needs, one of them is just not going to get addressed. And I think for the Saints, and I, I can't say for certain, I'm sure there was a little bit of that battle, especially in the fifth round when you're going, okay, do we get another safety? Do we get a linebacker? Uh, and, you know, when you take Jordan Howden, that's that's totally fine. I'd imagine that played into their board. Maybe they had him valued higher than they did any of the available linebackers at that point. Uh, it's definitely a concern. I think for New Orleans right now, you're starting to worry about, okay, no Caden Ellis, obviously he's gone. Does Zach Bond somehow finally in year four, does it click? I don't know if that's the case. Do you again look at the veteran market? But you are unfortunately staring down the, the possibility that you're an injury away from linebacker being one of the weak spots on this team. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a concern. You could always look around. And I know that some names will probably float around over the next couple of weeks, maybe some former faces, but we'll see what happens there. But it's definitely a position that, was, I guess, the sacrificial lamb of the draft. But you know what? If, if that's all it comes down to, uh, it was the only position for what it's worth that I listed that the Saints had to address that they didn't. And uh, in that regards, I'm actually okay with that if it's just one of them that you feel like is not as deep as the others. Uh, when you look in the Saints division, Atlanta, Carolina, Tampa Bay, which of those three teams do you think came out the best after the three-day draft? I'm still going to go, you know, with Carolina. I, I just love Bryce Young's game. And I'm yeah, so concerned, don't get me wrong, but I, I think that, you know, he's perfect for them. They added some great talent in the mid-rounds too. And I just think Carolina is the type of team where they really have a competitive roster to begin with. That defense, think about the last couple of years, they went yeah. just defense heavy on the draft. Now that talent's all materialized and they're starting to play well. So it's all about Bryce Young. Is Bryce Young going to go through those rookie, you know, learning curves if that's the case? Carolina's probably not ready for year one, but if he's one of those guys that kind of just, you know, rookie it's year a, takes off, who knows? Then it's a killer draft. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. And, and right. anything else you did doesn't matter as long as you get the quarterback right. So uh, I like what they did. I'm a little confused about Tampa Bay. I, I just think it feels like they're kind of okay with not doing that well next season if that's how it shapes out, which yeah. might be the worst route for them with Caleb Williams and Drake Mayway. Yeah. And for Atlanta, you added a player. John Robinson. He's, He's going to play well, but pick. it is weird draft assets and asset management because Tyler Algier, a fifth-round pick of last year, over 1,000 rushing yards. So you bring in B. John Robinson, you use a top-10 pick. I don't love the idea of it, but I do expect him to have a great season. He's one of those kids that just feels like you can't miss with him, uh, and I'm happy for the kid. I love that he went top-10. It's great for the running back position, but – I don't know if it was the smartest move in terms of just looking down a couple of years from now, but they're trying to add talent around Desmond Ritter now and get an answer. Is this kid legit or not? If he can't succeed with Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson and yeah. Cordell Patterson, 
probably no hope for them. And that's probably their, their thought process there. And the Saints just played their cards right uh, and get Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia next year. Now we're, now we're cooking with grease, Chris. I, that kid, it's one of those, no one overthink it. If you think he's a top five pick, a top five talent next year, he is. no one overthink it. The kid is that special. He is, he is. Um, golly, Philadelphia, Georgia North, They, I mean, they seem to have a great draft to me. Who was your, who was your favorite draft team of the year? You know, I, Part of it, you know, Philly seems to be the popular one. I love what Seattle did. You add a premier corner in the first round. You add Jackson Smith and Jigba. You bring Zach Charbonnet into the fold, who I think is going to create such a nice one-two punch with Kenneth Walker the third. I really like what they did in that regards. I think the Steelers did a good job, too, as well, getting good value. I mean, Darnell Washington later in the draft. You get Joey Porter Jr. at the top of the second round, yeah. which yeah. a legacy pick, but it's also fascinating because yeah. – Earlier in the mock drafts, everyone had him mocked to the Steelers at 17. They get him at 32, and instead they move up, get an offensive tackle who the Jets were thinking about getting to protect Aaron Rodgers. So I love what Pittsburgh did there, but this isn't just about being biased. I think the Saints did a good job too. I love when teams you know, have a plan, they attack it, and they execute it, and you could tell the Saints did that. They did what they wanted to do. So they'd be another team I love as well. But Philly, Seattle, Pittsburgh, those are definitely ones that were high on my list. Saints never never seem to do the the sexy thing that gets everybody yeah, but they do the steady thing, uh, and let's hope uh, that three of these players, minimum of three, become big time players for the Saints. Yeah, absolutely. If, if that's all it's about, really, you know, people the the 2017 draft class. As much as we love it, it's an anomaly. You don't get those. Th- those that's are just right. a rare once in a generation class. But when you get the ones that come in and you get three playmakers out of it, three starters out of it. It looks pretty good, and and it's all about getting the hole because we talked about it. You know, people talk about the Peyton Turner pick, and it didn't, it hasn't worked out yet. Uh, but boy, if it does, all of a sudden you look at that draft class differently because you know what Pete Werner brings, Paulson Adebo, great rookie year, rough second year, and then look at this draft class just now. Olave produced. You had Elante Taylor produced. We're waiting on Trevor Penning, but Rashid Shahid's technically part of that group as an undrafted player, and he was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, getting three to four starters that that were three to four impact players, that that would be fantastic for this team. One last question. Three years from now, who's going to be the best player in this draft class? Oh, man, that's a fantastic question. I, you know, I'm going to go with the safe pick and I'm going to go Will Anderson Jr. And the reason I say that, I love where he ended up because D'Amico Ryans just knows how to use his star players. I think about the two guys that he got to coach this past season, Nick Bosa and Fred Warner, both of them fantastic talents. I'd imagine that when D'Amico Ryans and the Texans trade up for him back to get to number three after yeah. taking Stroud two, they're yeah. probably sitting there going, man, we know exactly what we want to do with this kid. And I'm going to go with him. He'd probably be my safe bet in terms of I think he's going to produce. I think he's a great kid as well. And I'm excited. I think it's a perfect fit with D'Amico Ryans. Okay, I fibbed. Of the Saints draft class three years from now, who's going to be the best player? If it all works out and he's healthy, I, I'm going to go with Brian Brzee. I, I just I like to bet on talent. And okay. I'd like to think that, you know, this poor kid and all the misfortune he's gone through, it'll eventually come to pass and he's going to get his moment to shine because the talent is there. This is not a raw prospect. This is a guy that if he's healthy, he's going to produce. And the Saints love those interior guys. Think about Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata. You know, they were both when healthy, just dominant forces. So I think he probably feels like the safest bet, but it would not surprise me in the slightest if Isaiah Foskey or Kendra Miller 
they become a, a heck of a playmaker, one of the two, maybe even both. But I'll go with Brzee for now. I, I just love the idea of betting on a kid who, you know, not so long ago was considered the number one kid yeah. coming out of high school. You know who the steal of the draft is? You, Chris Rosevaglu. You are the best. Thank you, man, for the extended time and all the knowledge. That was more fun than I ever expected. You're terrific. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. It was a blast. You're the best. Chris Rose for Glue, Boot Crew Media, SI Now. I tell you what, when you need to talk NFL football and the Saints, he is the dude. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll wrap up our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And we're brought to each and every day by our great partners, ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, Cleaning America's Air from the Inside Out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon. I-10 at the Henderson-Cecilia exit with that true soul food deli tucked away in the corner. Best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef. Oh, if you don't know it by now, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ball LSU football with Blake Perfino. You know you're pretty good in baseball when you allow 11 runs on 10 hits, you walk seven, you hit three, and you commit four errors and you still figure out a way to win 13-11. to That is exactly what LSU did. They still remain number one in the country, 35-8 and overall, 15-5 and in the SEC with a two-games lead in the loss column over second-place Arkansas, which they've already played. They've got Auburn coming up uh, this weekend on the road. So um, we will see. How it all goes. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead. This is the Jordy Helford Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. Couldn't do it without my producer, James Mesh, who's inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. He's on the campus of Delta Media, where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. At I-10 West, you'll find KLCJ 1041 Lake Charles. Thrilled to be there as well. Streaming around the world. 
1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can always turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We'll talk LSU's baseball sweep of Alabama, remaining the number one team in the country. But the headline of the day has to go to the NBA playoffs and the incredible performance that we saw in a Game 7 yesterday by one Steph Curry who put up half a hundred in a 120-100 win. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights is my go-to guy when we talk NBA, huh? And he's joining us now. Ali, thanks for the time, buddy. How was your How was your weekend, man? Did you jazz fest it? Oh, it was good, except, no, I didn't venture out there. I was stuck home alone, so I had three dogs to take care of. I couldn't leave them for a uh... full day and have fun. <laughs> Home alone with three dogs. You are quite the guy. Um, I've said this, and I want your opinion. Um, for years now, I've, I've, we've all known Steph Curry is uh, a great player. Everybody, But it was kind of like, yeah, let's go see the little guy who makes <laughs> these long, long, long shots, and he puts on this workout before the game. And then we saw last year, he finally he becomes the finals MVP, and they win yet another championship. And then mm-hmm. we see what he did yesterday by carrying his team in a game seven at 30, what, 34, 35 years old, and he's running he's running a marathon every time he plays, I fully believe Steph Curry is one of the top 10 players that have ever laced up a pair of tennis shoes and played the game of basketball. What's your opinion of Steph Curry? He's really knocking on that door, isn't he? I mean, I know a lot of people too easily like to call somebody that's playing today, either a top 10, top 20 player, and you kind of overlook who's come right previously in history. Right. But, boy, he's got an argument because he's got the rings. He's got, he, he's, he's got to be arguably the best shooter we've ever seen, right, no um, in NBA history. The, his ability to shoot from anywhere on the court and his proficiency is just, like I said, something we've never seen before. And now, you know, he keeps adding to his repertoire. And he's 35 years old, as you mentioned. Usually, you know, players aren't supposed to be playing still in their prime at this age. So for him to score 50 points, he had six assists too. Yeah, to beat, I think it's a good Sacramento team, and he didn't get much help, right? No Clay, no Jordan Poole. Really, everybody on his team were cold. So it was entirely up to him. Once again, he came through. So I'm with you, Jordy. I think a good argument can be made for him. I think especially once his career wraps up, he's going to be considered a top 10 player by some people. You know, when I think about it this way, all the great shooters, you think of um, Reggie Miller, you think of Ray mm-hmm. Allen, you think of um, she Clay Thompson. They're kind of action-shoot guys, you know. Steph Curry exactly. can do that, but his ball-handling skills, I'd put up against anybody. He's like a globetrotter out there with a the ball in his hands. It's just fascinating to see him do what he does with the ball and still be able at six three with guys that are four, three four five inches taller with long reach and he's still able to get shots up it's trust me it is mm-hmm. mind-boggling yeah so he deserves a lot of credit right for also his skill work right being able to handle the ball that often without having more turnovers and also his mind i mean there's probably you can count on one hand maybe that are more smarter players in NBA history. Yeah. I mean, for him to be able to know, right, how to break down two, three opponents in front of him, find all the seams, as you mentioned, at his size. I mean, it's not just he's 6'2". He's also slender, right? He's, yeah. he's what, 180 pounds? And yet he's 
probably the most unstoppable force in the NBA. When he's right, when he's healthy, for what, the last 10 years? I mean, LeBron, we know what he was doing at his peak, what Kevin Durant can do. But, boy, Steph, given that he looks like an average human being when he's walking out there on the streets with uh, the rest of the, you know, the population, it, it's incredible. It really is, Jordy. I hope he gets the credit for everything in his career, not just the rings, not just the three ball, because I think he's a really complete player. And while he doesn't have, yeah. say, the assist a normal point guard does, I'll tell you what, his gravity creates all those open looks for his teammates. So he may not be able to pass like magic, right, run a Showtime Lakers. But I'll tell you what, just by being out there on the court, he not only can find his shots, score like among the best, but he makes everybody on his team just better because he gets them open, yeah. gets them those good looks, stuff like that. Yeah, I love him. I absolutely love him. I do too. And if they ever run a marathon uh, from NBA players, he's going to win that thing hands down because nobody runs more and moves mm-hmm. more without the ball or with the ball than Steph Curry. It sets up Le- LeBron versus Steph yet again in the um, Western Conference semis. Um Man, who do you like in that and why? I'm going to go with the Warriors. I know that the Lakers, right, they're running a nice head of steam. They've got maybe arguably the greatest player of all time in LeBron. But I'll tell you what, as to where I know what LeBron wants and will try and achieve, and he's got good supporting cast around him, I know what the Warriors are made up of, right? It's not just Steph. You know, Draymond Green's going to run through walls. Klay Thompson. I think even Andrew Wiggins now shows that too, right? And yep. I don't want to overlook Kevon Looney. I mean, he had 20, He's unbelievable. Well, three 20 rebound games in that first round series, yeah. right? So I think they're a more complete team, more experienced team. And as for the Lakers, there's just question marks. A lot of guys haven't been there. Anthony Davis seems to just play every other game, right, where he brings 110%. And LeBron, right. he, he, as we saw in the first round, he can only pick his spots in spurts now to where he really tries to dominate the game. He can't go for the full 48 minutes anymore. I'm with you. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. So that gets underway tomorrow. It's game two in the Western other Western Conference semifinal with Denver leading Phoenix one game to zip. Game two tonight in the Mile High City. Everybody talks about um, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and all. Everybody talks about Nikola Jokic. Not many people are talking about a guy who's like, hey, did y'all forget about me? I know I was hurt for like 18 months, <laughs> but when Jamal Murray was healthy, he was a stud, and he is a stud yet again. He had 34 points in 37 minutes. Is this a must-win game for Phoenix? If they fall behind two games to none, that means they got to win four out of five? I, that ain't happening. I wouldn't think so either, but, I mean, right, Jordy, they say the series doesn't start till a road team wins right on the opposing court. True. So I don't know. I mean, I, I feel that because look, we see Phoenix and I, what do I see? I teach two superstars, Booker Durant, what they have combined 60 points, but yeah. they, they, they don't really have any other pieces. I know DeAndre Ayton can get you some, but he doesn't play with enough force in my book. Chris Paul, he's well past his prime. And you look yeah. up and down that roster. I don't know what else Phoenix can do. Phoenix so. is weak. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're going to need to figure it out, Jordy, because, yeah, to go even seven games, I, I just don't see it for that team. There's just too many holes as to where Denver, you're right, they've got two superstars because Jamal should be included in that conversation. He looked like the guy we saw in the bubble, right, going up toe-to-toe with Donovan uh, Mitchell when he was with the Jazz. So he looks as good as he did back then. And that's a, that's a major problem for Phoenix because Denver, they're much deeper. I mean, look at the role players they've got. Aaron Gordon's fantastic. Michael yes. Porter can nail a three from anywhere, and I like yes. Brown off the bench for them. 
Contavious Caldwell Pope is good. Jeff Green never ages. He's still playing yeah. in the league. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, in the Eastern Conference, we saw game one in Madison Square Garden. And lo and behold, the, the Miami Heat go in there and steal game one, 108 to 100. I guess a lot's going to depend on Jimmy Butler and mm-hmm. that ankle. But, um, man, Kevin Love looked good. Gabe Vincent. It, and Kyle Lowry looked like the old, old Kyle Lowry with 18 points. Where's he been? I don't know, but I'll tell you what, he saved them because Jimmy Butler, yes. right, rolled his ankle pretty severely. And I thought the Miami Heat were done. I didn't know how they were going to score the rest of their points. Uh, but Kyle Lowry stepped to the plate. He seemed to do that in that first round series against the Bucks, where he had that one game where he really was pivotal. And he happened to do it again last night. I'm disappointed in the Knicks, though. I thought with they, the way they played that first quarter, jumped out to a nice lead. I thought, you know, they were poised to get that game one victory. But yeah, yeah. the Heat, they never quit. And Jimmy Butler, they, they just play so tough. And I'm glad you mentioned yeah. some of these other guys. I mean, Gabe Vincent, he, he's been a heck of a find in these playoffs. He didn't play like this in the regular season. And Kevin Love, he can hit the threes. He can rebound with the best of them when he's out there enough. And I like the way he can just pass the ball, right? It doesn't, yeah. not enough gets talked about how he can just start a break by throwing at three quarters of the length of the, you know, the court. So he gives you all these other intangibles, too. I mean, they're a smart, well-coached team. I think that series is going to go seven, though, because I'm not going to give up on, on the Knicks. I think they're the better team overall in terms of talent. And Coach Tibbs, you know, Thibodeau, he's going to figure it out. Uh, they need Julius Randle for sure. And Kevin Love yeah. looks like the modern version of Wes Unsell with those length of the court right. <laughs> uh, outlet passes. Uh, uh, sensational. You're right. It was a it was a close game till the third quarter, 31-20 to 20 advantage to the Heat, and they never, ever looked back, and they win it by seven. I think one. I think it's going to be a great series. It starts tonight. Boston, Philadelphia, so much will um, depend upon Joel Embiid and his knee. This thing's in Boston. These two teams don't like one another. Uh-huh. Uh, this this ought to be one for the ages. I hope Embiid's healthy because then we will get that special series. But if he's not, boy, yeah. Philadelphia relies on him so much, Jordan. I'll tell you what, he didn't look right to me in that first-round series yeah. against the Brooklyn Nets. Granted, they didn't need him, so maybe he was playing a little more reserved. But he just wasn't moving as you know with as much agility as we saw in the regular season. So I really hope that knee gets quickly healthy. And I hope I think he had a plasma treatment right within the last couple of weeks. So hopefully that really helps because otherwise I think, I think Boston's too good. I think without him B, Boston's going to run right through him maybe in like as quick as five games. Well, let's hope that Embiid's there because I think he, yeah, he makes a whole lot of difference. Yeah. Um, Ali Cassell at the bird writes any, any Pelicans news whatsoever. No, no, it's been really quiet. I know that some players are actually going to some of these playoff games. So that's good, right? I know that Trey Murphy's been in attendance. Um, he went and saw Drew Holiday play the Bucks. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that he's watching Josh Hart with the Knicks because they're all close, you know, these former okay. teammates. And you know what? I think that's just an experience. Soak that atmosphere up. But yeah, for the most part, that's all I've heard. I haven't heard anything about guys getting serious about working out or where Zion's health is at right now. His level, you know, um, uh, you know, ability. So hopefully that'll start coming soon. Well, we just saw the NFL draft. The NBA draft will be pretty soon after the playoffs are over. Again, when you watch these playoffs and you see these teams that are still there, what do the Pels need? Three-point shooting, 
without a doubt, number one. Yeah. And number two, I want to see more agility in terms of versatility from the center position. I just know Jonas Valanciunas isn't going to be more than a 25-minute player for a Willie Green. That is if he even returns next season. So yeah. you've got to find somebody else. And when you look at what Mitchell Robinson right does for the Knicks or you know Williams does for the Celtics, Looney, look what Kevon Looney's done for the world. Oh. He's How can you find a guy like that? Because you can't yeah. give up too much size like they do with Larry Nance because then you're going to lose a lot of the rebounding battles. And that's so important yeah. for the Pelicans, right? Not a lot of good rebounders on that team. Like, like the Josh Hart's of the world, they don't exist on this roster. So you need to yeah. find somebody you can rely on to hold the board work down for you if you're not going to go through a traditional guy like Valentino. So threes and, yeah. and, like I said, a more agile center that's going to clean the glass for you. Right. Right, they need they need athleticism at that position, yeah. and it's a shame Jackson Hayes hadn't panned out. It's a shame he would have been perfect. Um, nor bulked he had, up, he would have been we perfect. Saw the oh, it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, I get I get it, and of course, everything depends upon Mister Zion. So so we'll wait mm-hmm. and see. And I think CJ McCollum needs some help in the backcourt as well. Uh, I think they just look every team I see, boy, they are quick as can be. Pell's in the backcourt, other than Kyra Lewis, not so quick. Kyra Lewis is a speed demon. I'm ho- I'm hoping he continues to develop, or they get they give him the opportunity, give him the ball, and turn him loose, um, and and see what happens. They need to get quicker. That's what that that's what stands out to me with these teams. They're so quick with the dribble um, that they just break down defenses completely. They do. You need that quickness for a lot of things. Uh, just. And, and half court, break down your man when a play gets busted or transition. And I thought the Pelicans didn't play with enough pace this year. And a big reason for that was they didn't have enough of the turbos, right? Turbo guards out there. Yeah. And I'm with yeah. you. I hope that Kyra gets his chance. And I really think that the team, the Pels missed Jose Alvarado for the last 20 games because it was noticeable. They just didn't seem to get those easy buckets anymore. I feel That's like right. when Jose's even out there, that helps, right? He yeah. helps you on that yeah. front. So, yeah, yeah the Pelicans right. were middle tier both in transition uh, frequency, how often they got out there, and how well they scored in it. They can definitely upgrade there, and they have to. I think the top teams in the league, they run the ball well. Look at what the Celtics do, the Nuggets, and um, Celtics, Nuggets, and, and Philly. Even though Philly doesn't get often out there, they're very proficient. And guess what? Those are three of the top five offenses we saw in the regular season. Pels can get better there. Tyrese Maxey, ultra quick. Ooh, I still am amazed. I'm still amazed how many... Kentucky players are in these playoffs and how good they are. I mean, every team has one, it seems like, and they're all, I mean, golly, how good was Fox and Monk? My goodness, uh-huh. how good is Maxi? And we go on and on and on. Right, and I'm waiting for Emmanuel quickly, right, to show his form yes. they did in the regular season for the Knicks because he's another one of those guys. And look, Boston, they've got those reliable guys and Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White. Yep. So you're right. The Pelicans, they need some help. It can't just be CJ, and you can't hope for Dyson to take a massive leap. It just doesn't happen, right, no. for somebody that no. needs a lot of no, work. No. So I hope it's Kyra. I hope it's Jose. If it's not, you got to go find somebody. I need another backcourt. Ball handler score, break down the defense. That's what I need. Um, I'll figure out the center position, but um, that and health all the way. Uh, yeah. It's always great talking to my main man. Even uh, The dogs are so well-behaved. They're so quiet. Thank you. Um, but Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights, you're the best, man. Enjoy. We got a double header tonight, so it should be fun. And uh, can't Jordan. wait to talk to you next week. 
Absolutely. And the secret is middle-of-the-day interviews, because guess what? Dogs are sleeping in the sun. They're tired. <laughs> nice. Very good. I'll remember that. Ali Cassell, thank you, my friend. Absolutely. Bye-bye, Jordy. All right, we'll take, we'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back with more after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? Not to worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 24 minutes after the hour, real quick, like we're going to hear from some of the Saints draft picks, including their number one pick at number 25, the defensive interior lineman, Brian Brissy. Uh, when asked what kind of player are the Saints getting in you, here's uh, Brissy's reaction. Yeah, you know, uh, an athletic, uh, disruptive defensive tackle who's going to come in and, and work hard every single day, uh, you know, come in and, and do everything he needs to, to to earn the respect of, you know, the players and, and the coaches on the team already um, and, and just leave it all out there. I like this guy. Uh, he's been beset by injuries, some personal problems, lost his sister. Uh, here's Brissy on his injury outlook yeah i mean last year like you said was kind of just some crazy crazy things that went on that um you know it was just unexpected um the year before you know i had two injuries i had a, a knee and a shoulder and i mean those are the only two surgeries i've had in my whole life so um i feel great from them now you know you know have have no issues uh and i'm ready to go so that's awesome second pick in the draft um an edge rusher from notre dame Isaiah Foskey, who said he wanted to get drafted by the Saints. So he was asked, what makes you want to go play for the Houdat Nation? Uh, just, I wanted to be underneath, uh, not underneath, but like working with a vet like Cam Jordan. That's the guy that I feel like that's the that's the Hall of Famer type of guy. And I can learn from him, be a sponge and soak it all in. But like compete at the same level as him. I can be trying to go on the other side of him or be him. So that was like the biggest thing I wanted to do, be underneath a vet, be with the vet. And New Orleans was a great thing. Yeah, Cam Jordan right there. Uh, Isaiah, it's not New Orleans. It's New Orleans. We got to work on that. All right. So um, exactly more specifically, what can you learn from Cam Jordan? I feel like I can learn from him. I feel like just pastor's arsenal. Like, I'm not Cam Jordan. I'm not him. But I can learn through him and see what he can do. He can teach me moves that he's seen, like, my type of body, what I can do going through practice, just trying to learn from him, my passers type of arsenal, my go-to moves. I know my go-to move was, it might be different in NFL. So I pretty much just want to learn from him. Not a bad one to learn out from. In the third round, Saints get a running back, Kendra Miller from TCU. Kendra was asked, what do you bring 
to the Saints offense? Um, you know, Alvin, he's a he's a great receiving back, you know, me. Um, uh, I'm I'm just like, you know, like versatile. I'm 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 really, you know, ground and pound, uh out of out of backfield. So like we got we got two of the same, you know, uh attributes. So I really feel very confident, you know, what me and him do. I think he's a steal. I think he's a big time steal. And I think their fourth round pick, the first of two, Nick Sal DeVere, offensive lineman, Old Dominion. He's versatile, high IQ, comes to work, great leader. Um, here's Salvadere talking about what sets him apart from others. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I'm an offensive lineman at the end of the day. I'm not in one box. I don't play tackle, guard, center. Like, I play it all. And I take pride in that. I take pride in having the ability to do that because it's not easy. Everybody can't do that. Um, so I take pride in it for sure. Um, I think I have a lot of like strong points in my game, like my feet, my anchor strength, my hands and versatility is kind of just one focal point that kind of separates me from everybody else. High football IQ for sure. With their second pick in the fourth round, Saints went, took a flyer on a quarterback, Jake Hayner from Fresno State. He's a Saints fan ever since he was a kid. Um, Derek Carr's his mentor. His favorite player was Drew Brees. He wore number nine because of Brees. And this is what he said Brees taught him about the game of football. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Drew and, and, and him kind of telling us was always know where your outlets are and try to do everything you can to avoid negative plays at this level. Uh, negative plays kill drives, kill momentum. Uh, so Drew really made it. You know, our priority to always know where his outlets are every snap and do everything he can to avoid negative plays. Okay, now the Saints go fifth round. Jordan Howden, a safety. He talked about um, a vision of where he sees himself playing in this Saints defense because he's versatile as well. Um, no, I don't have any vision. Um, I'm one of those type of players, like wherever the team needs me, um, I'm available anywhere on the field. Um, that's just how it's always been growing up. You know, I'm just I'm a team player, a uh, special team player. You know, I, I'll be in the box to post, be a man, so whatever the team wants me to do. So, All right. They got some good quality people, it sounds like, so far. Final pick, sixth round, A.T. Perry, a 6'3 speedster out of Wake Forest at the wide receiver position. A lot of people surprised he dropped down the boards that far. He was asked, what kind of player are the Saints getting in you? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of a quiet guy, but, uh, you know, when I get in the game, you know, I'm smiling, I'm laughing, I'm just out there having fun, you know what I'm saying? And going out there, getting a dub with the team, um, you know what I'm saying? I, I love being around my guys. Uh, I'm, team, I'm, team first, I'm a team first kind of guy, so, um, you know what I'm saying? Having my brothers back, you know, just going in there and making plays, and, you know what I'm saying? Celebrating with each other. Boy, they all sound good. Now we'll see how many of these players can actually make it and be contributors for day one as the Saints try to get back to the top of the NFC, NFC South. Thank you guys for putting up and getting all those, uh, James, all that sound. We greatly appreciate it. We'll take a time out here when we come back. Blake Rafino, are you serious? There's a running back in the portal. Are the Tigers interested? And I haven't heard of one player from LSU going into the portal yet. 
Plus, we'll talk about the defensive line coach, and we'll talk LSU baseball with Blake Rafino next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the game has a brand new app. It is now your one-stop shop for all things the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Download the free mobile app today for your Apple or Android device. Just search the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we welcome you back. It's always a fun Monday when we get to talk to our next guest, Blake Rafino. He has the R.U. Serious A.Y.S. podcast that's growing in, by leaps and bounds. He's kind enough to join us yet again on a Monday. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good morning, Jordy. Or good afternoon, Jordy. How yeah, are you doing? Don't, don't do that to me now. Whoa, easy lightning. Um, <laughs> I know we're going to talk LSU baseball, but a couple of topics uh, right off the bat with LSU football. Jimmy Lindsay named the defensive line coach. Well documented. We all knew it was coming. Brian Kelly made an official day uh, coming from South Carolina. You like the move? Um, Yeah, I mean, relatively, you know, Look, I don't think it was what people expected, but I think it's what Brian Kelly does, right? You know, the interesting thing was he did some of the same things with last year with Robert Steeples when fans were not excited about necessarily him replacing Corey Raymond. But nevertheless, LSU went from the hundreds in passing yards allowed to 30th last year or 30 in the 30s last year, I should say. So, I think if you can wow Brian Kelly to be your defensive line coach over other suitors that may have been involved, then I think that it says more than what maybe a piece of paper would. That's a great point because you know LSU is going to pay that position a lot of money, um, and you know LSU has talent there, so that – you're right. I think you said it perfectly about Jimmy Lindsay. Um, it's been reported from several outlets that Garrett Nussmeyer says, I'm not going in the portal. I'm staying. Were you, I was a little bit concerned, to be quite honest with you. Not this year, more so at the end of last year. But um, he's yeah. staying. I think, he see, I think he sees the road ahead. Well, I mean, you know, what's crazy is he's the number one person that we talked about hitting the portal because of Walker Howard, and now we get here. But, Jordan, he's too far down the road now, right? I mean, if he were to transfer, which he would probably be a starter at an SEC West rival, um, but he's too far down the road now. I I think that you get to a point where, okay, he's going to play this year, and he's going to start in twenty four. Um, so I just think that now that he's gone through what would be the gauntlet and look, he doesn't, Jordy, I think that he comes from a position where he's not, he doesn't have to be in a hurry. 
right? Like he knows the guys that his dad's coached, right? And yeah. so it's massive news. And not only is Gary Nussmeyer going to be the biggest news of the day for LSU football, more than Coach Lindsey, in my opinion, uh, it's definitely, Jordy, the, the portal closed and nobody entered. For the first time yeah, since the transfer portal era begun, LSU has not gone through a period where they've had zero transfers. It's never happened. This is the Why first you, time that it's ever happened. What do you think that is? I think that, number one, you have buy-in for, on the the front of Brian Kelly, and I think, number two, more than the buy-in, I think that you have a lot of players in that locker room that believe that they're going to win a national title. And if not win a national title, get back to the SEC championship game and take on, and take on Georgia again. I really do believe that. Yeah, and so when you when you have a group of individuals that believe in one another, that could be deadly. And you know what, Jordy, good for it because I'm old enough to remember when Eric Gilbert transferred, Eli Ricks transferred, yep. Philip yep. Webb, Jordan Tolles, uh, Antoine Sampa, Marcus Schimmerberg, Mac Johnson, uh, Eric Taylor, Dwight McLaughlin, uh, Alex Adams, Cole Taylor. Xavier here and TJ Finley all left. Yeah. In one off season. Okay. So if you want to rattle off some names, there's some names for you. So now they don't have any. Jordy, they're closer to the 85 scholarship women than they've ever been. And so that only breeds success. So now yeah. when you have Makai Wingo, and we've talked about this in nauseam, playing the most snaps of a defensive player in all of the SEC. You have a guy like Jordan Jefferson that can come in and spell him on third and short, and make and we've seen make really good defensive plays. So I, I just think it's a lot of buy-in. And you saw Omar Spate say it, like, hey, I'm sold that we can win a national title. Uh, I think that's why you have that much buy-in. I'm with you. Um, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. There's a former uh, New Orleanian uh, running back who has left Notre Dame for the portal in Logan Diggs, LSU, that seems to be one of the, that and defensive secondary because we don't know how these players are all going to blend running backs. We don't know who's going to be healthy, who's not. Do you believe LSU will pursue him? Uh, they already are. Okay. Yeah, they already are. I would I would be um, – how do I don't want to say this? Shocked? Well, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked if he commit wouldn't commit this week. But I would be a little on the okay. What happened? Thought process: If Logan Diggs did not commit somewhere by Thursday or Friday, okay. and I think that LSU who, leads the race. Yes, but yeah, who's LSU's biggest competition? Alabama. I think it's one of them. I heard Kentucky had made contact. I heard a lot of SEC schools like Florida, Texas A&M, Arkansas have all made contact to him. So, the SEC. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. I think he wants to come close to home, and I think LSU's tailor-made for him. And I think LSU's saying to him, look, we can't depend on John Emery Jr. I'm sorry to say that, but the proof is in the pudding. Um, I don't remember what kind of runner he is. I remember in high school – uh, and I remember I thought he was going to come to LSU, but he went to Notre Dame. I don't remember anything about the kid, to be honest with you. Well, I, 
Well, for starters, number one, I think that he's a massive addition because when you look at him, not only can he run between the tackles and be physical, I think you get to a situation where you look at him and he's reliable out of the backfield, right? He had multiple, I want to say like 10 catches for 120-something yards. No, 10 catches, 211 yards, at 20 yards per catch with, I think, you know, a handful of touchdowns. And then he ran for close to 1,000 yards with like four or five touchdowns. So, And he wasn't even their number one back. Okay, Um, I agree with you. I I agree with you. I don't think that you can rely on John Emery. Is John Emery an exceptional talent when he when he needs to be? Yes. Jordy, is he going to get his grades right? I I don't know. We look. I will take the blame on this. I fought for John Emery when he got suspended. Okay, because you can't. You cannot tell me that Eric Gilbert is academically eligible. And John Emery isn't. Jordy, he missed three semesters. And Eric Gilbert is eligible now at Nebraska. Like, how, how is that even possible? Okay. And then you got this John Emery thing. But it doesn't matter about other people. It matters about can John Emery get his stuff together. And I will tell you, there are people in that building that have told John, if you, wanna, if you think football is serious and you want to take it serious, you got to do what you got to do, and let's see how he responds. If John yeah. Emery gets on the field, Jordy, it's because he's taking everything seriously. Well, there's a question about his talent, but we haven't seen enough of it for me to be able to count on him. And so, therefore, uh, Logan Diggs, come on back home, big fella. All right, let's shift to LSU baseball real quick. Um, a three-in-one week. Um, man, they gave up. 14 and 11, that's 25 runs in three SEC games. Uh, I'm not questioning LSU's hitting. My goodness gracious. They can they can hit the ball. They scored, gee whiz, 25, 33 runs in three games. Um, it just seems to me for LSU to get where they want to get, that bullpen and you know, starting pitching other than skeins is has gotta gotta get a little bit better. What's your they're still the number one team in the country. I'm not complaining. I promise you I'm not. Uh, they're 35 and eight. It's unbelievable. 15 and five in the SEC, two games ahead in the loss column of, of Arkansas. But what, what's your makeup of this club? One step, to, one step forward, two steps back for Ty Floyd. Um, he did get squeezed, though. So, you know, that that's a tough one. He got rocked. Okay, he just got absolutely yep. rocked. LSU yep. made a pair of errors, okay, that would have either gotten him out of the inning or limited uh, Alabama to a run. Tommy Tanks made an error. Trey Morgan made multiple errors this weekend. Jordan Thompson had an error. Gavin Gidger came in and got blasted. Nate Ackenhausen came in, which I'm going to give him a little leeway. He got blasted in Christian Little. But Thatcher Hurd comes in and looks good. I, yes, I just think, Jordy, that, you know, I, I, mm, I, you, you know, it's kind of like give or take. You know, like give or take in the sense of I know that the bullpen is struggling and they don't have their best arms. Like let's not let's not forget that Garrett Edwards is, you know, like he's out. And so uh-huh. it, it, it's just so difficult, though, because you can't stop anybody. Now, I know that, North, that South Carolina is probably one of the better hitting teams in America. 
they're not Alabama. Because, Jordy, they, as Len Rollins said it so perfectly yesterday, Jordy, by average, they're the, they're the second-best hitting team in the SEC behind LSU. They are. They, they're pitching, they are. They're, they're pitching yeah. is horrendous. Yeah. So you went up against the second, the probably the second best hitting team that, I, and I want to say, Jordy, the best hitting team that you will see for the rest of you know the SEC uh, SEC play. Yeah, um, that's fair. But but you just get to a point where, you know, you just got to find ways to get out. You know, you got to find way like you're Jordy. The, the SEC, I'm going to say this tonight, so I'll, and I'll say it here. The SEC championship or SEC uh, week in Hoover is going to give you the litmus test of what's going to happen in regional and super regionals. No, because you you got to find out what you really have. And Jordy, if they Paul Skeens, yeah, you'll get a you'll get a win. What's going to happen throughout that weekend? Because if you go throughout that weekend and you're one and two, I don't feel good. Now the problem with that is. Is that who can who can stop this lineup? I that's mean, the question. Yeah, that's Jay the point. John- Let me ask you this real quick. Let me ask okay. you this: uh, Skeens Friday night um, yep. gave up one run on five hits, nine strikeouts, no walks. Went six innings. When, when after they took him out, it becomes an eight to six game. Um, why isn't he pitching yep. into the seventh? Maybe the eighth. Well, one thing's for certain is he's getting absolutely squeezed. And, look, I'm not saying other teams aren't getting squeezed. You know, Ben McDonald seems to think that, you know, LSU might be getting squeezed more than any other team, and I agree with him. Jordan, I watched Tennessee, I watched Vanderbilt, and what they're getting called strikes, Paul, uh, Paul Skeens is not. Okay, can they not see it? Is it too much movement? I, I don't know. Um, his pitch look with high strikeout guys. You're going to have a very large pitch count. I do think that they need to go to schemes and say, "Listen, dude, let's go." You're well. You let's get a ground ball. Like I, I know that you want to paint it perfectly, but at the at the same token, they got to get some ground balls in and let his defense work. But at the same at the same time, I, I mean, he's facing facing really good teams, really really good teams, and so yeah. you know, look, it's not on him. Look, he he left with a lead, okay, and yeah. you got to be, Jordy, you can't give up that many runs when he leaves. No, no, you know, they and gotta so, fix, they got to fix their uh, bullpen, or they're not going to get where they want to get. I'm just I'm just here to tell you. They don't fix their bullpen. They're not going to get where they want to get because they're going to face some hitter, some pitchers down the road. They're not going to be getting 10, 12, 13 hits and all these runs. I'm just telling you. So they, they're going to have to win some close pitching duels. That's just the way it works. So I'm hoping that they get it done. But I know for sure that you will cover this and much, much more tonight on the Are You Serious podcast. Everybody tune in. No question. And as always, my friend, thank you for your time. It was always fun. Thanks, Jordan. We'll see you next week, buddy. Hi, buddy. You take care. That is uh, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. This is the week leading up to the Kentucky Derby. When we come back, a little birthday wish for a very accomplished jockey next.
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Special thanks to our partners each and every day. ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and in permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing by D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, a fun day as we begin the month of May. Special, special thanks to Chris Roseverglue, Boot Crew Media, with his uh, breakdown of the NFL draft for the New Orleans Saints. They sound great. Let's see how they play where it counts between the lines. They can get three of those six to um, perform and to uh, become valuable members of the team, then it's a really, really good draft. Ali Cassell, uh, Steph Curry with 50. Unbelievable performance. We got game one of the Eastern Conference semis between the Celtics and the Sixers tonight. Game two of one of the Western Conference semis, Phoenix at Denver. So a good night of hoops. And Blake Rafino with uh, Garrett Nussmeyer staying, Jimmy Lindsay the new D-line coach, and the Tigers after Logan Diggs, the former Rumble Raider, and Notre Dame running back. Uh, So that'll be fun. Tomorrow, um, Glenn West will join us. We'll talk more LSU stuff. We'll talk uh, the Black and Gold Report with uh, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, Kentucky Derby preview, and much more. And speaking of the Derby, if today, May 1st, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you, You join 62-year-old Steve Coffin. Steve was was aboard Affirmed back in 1978, and he rode Affirmed to the Triple Crown. Will we have a Triple Crown winner this year? We'll see after Saturday's Run for the Roses on the first Saturday in May. Yes, indeed. Uh, James Mesh, as always, thank you, sir, for... All you do. Great job in the producer's chair inside the Evco Development Studios. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do, whether it be the radio, the internet, television. Great. And our partners, you know, we couldn't do it without you. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, 2 to 4. Same great station, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be Happy. Up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We'll talk to you and see you tomorrow. So long, everybody.